Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. All right. Well, hey there, Vital Point. My name is Amy, and I'm a part of the teaching team here at Vital Point Church. And I also actually stepped into a role part-time as staff here at the Poplar Hill site as the connection coordinator. And so we are in week six of our Practicing the Way series. So, so far we've covered the topics of what does it mean to follow Jesus, um, the importance of community, reading scripture, prayer, and then last week we talked about silence and solitude. Now, if you've missed any part of this series, I really do encourage you to pop back over on YouTube and check them out. Because not just because this series has been prayerfully and um, lovingly studied and put together all with our community in mind, but because each of these practices, they build on one another. You can't just take one of them out and think, oh, I'm I'm good with this one and I'm just not really going to worry too much about the rest because they all work together. They all build on one another. For example, you can't just study the Bible without community. It is going to lead undoubtedly to some wild interpretations there. If you pray without ever reading your Bible, well, how are you ever really going to know who this person is that you're praying to, what what the will of God really truly is, and what the truth is that can all be found within the scripture? And also then if you just do community without any of their pieces, well, it just turns this into another social club and it loses all power, I think. And then if you only practice silence and solitude while ignoring the rest, well, let's just be honest, you're going to turn out to be a really odd person being by yourself in silence all the time. And so no piece of this series on its own leads us to the lasting change in the discipleship of Jesus with this ultimate goal that we keep talking about in this series, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So today, our next practice that we're going to be talking about is fasting. Now, fasting is undoubtedly one of the most abused and the least used of all the practices of Jesus. Some of us may not even know or understand what that word fasting means when we say it. And some of you got real uncomfortable in your seats and you started the internal clock counting down for when this conversation is over. But just pause for a moment. Take a breath. Hang on, because I think that we'll actually be really surprised as we unpack this one together. And my hope and prayer for this has been that by the end, You may even be cautiously excited about implementing and practicing fasting in your life. I think a lot of us would agree that we live in a culture that glorifies excess, glorifies luxury and desire, one that is ready to feed all of your desires just because, you know what, you deserve it. You've had a hard week. Treat yourself. You deserve it. You've had a great week. You've had success, something to celebrate. You should just celebrate it with whatever you want because you deserve it. You've earned it. You've worked so hard. Just one more bite, one more click, one more Amazon purchase, one more scroll, whatever it is. But the problem is with this, when we feed and fuel these desires within us that are disordered by sin, these desires, they just become wanting more and more. And honestly, it's just never going to be enough. 
And slowly over time, we can come to a realization where we see that no longer are these things serving us, no longer are they bringing us what we want them to, but rather we recognize that we are actually serving them. We have become slaves to our desires and our need for more, our need for comfort, our need for peace in finding all of these other things. Lou Engel says it this way. He says, we have taught a generation to feast and play, but the times demand we fast and pray. And now if we take a step back and how true this really is to the cultural moment that we live in, this moment that glorifies feeding our desires and would love to keep us on that hamster wheel of life of more, 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 go, 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 but really, truly never getting anywhere. A time where truth is so ambiguous and many are searching for answers, but sometimes in the wrong places. And so we can see that practicing fasting can be a powerful part of our apprenticeship to Jesus as we lay down our literal desires of the flesh, all in pursuit of him. So let's jump in right now and define what even is fasting. Some of us may already be a bit familiar with religious fasting in terms of Lent. Um, We are in the season of Lent right now, which is essentially a 40-day period leading up to Easter, a time of preparation, a time of self-denial and reflection. And many people in our Western context would practice Lent by choosing something to give up for this period of time. You know, it could be food, but it could be social media, sweets, shopping, coffee, alcohol, etc. Just you select a thing. Some people will choose to fast during the day and just have their meal at night. But when we're talking about the biblical example of fasting, it does specifically outline and um, model for us um, (laughs) abstaining from food for a period of time. See, I could barely say it because it sucks. Really, let's be honest. Abstaining from food is not fun. And not that fasting from food and all these other or all these other things other than food is not important. You know, those things can definitely add value to our lives. They can definitely open up room and time to draw closer to Jesus. But when we're talking about fasting as a spiritual practice, in Scripture, we see it modeled as fasting from food specifically. Now, fasting as a spiritual discipline isn't just a diet. It is actually or even just a time of self-denial. I like the way that Lisa Bevere says it. She says, you know, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. The purpose of fasting is to foster our intimacy with God. It can be practiced in the form of lament and repentance, and it can also be something that we practice in order to appeal to God for a specific reason and purpose. And now as we explore this topic, I want to return to a text that our lead pastor, Ron, last week talked about. In fact, I actually gave him a hard time when I was reading over going, no, you're taking the scripture that I wanted to use. But anyways, that is neither here nor there. We're going to do it again. So last week we talked in our conversation about silence and solitude. We talked about Jesus' example when he began his ministry with a 40-day fast in the wilderness. This seems like a really strange way to start such a bold, public ministry by disappearing from everyone and everything for an entire month and a half. I want to look at this account specifically through um, the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 3, we read about Jesus being baptized. And again, this isn't really something that he had to do as a sinless man, but he did it as an example for us to follow. 
And so the moment where he went under the water and he comes up out of the water, it says that the Holy Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove. Again, it is not an actual dove that comes on him, but it was in a form of a dove. There was something physical that people could see where the Holy Spirit would come upon him. And then paired with that, there is this audible voice from heaven that I'm sure probably freaked everyone out a little bit that identified Jesus as the son of God. This would have been a huge miraculous moment. And so this moment here would mark the starting point of Jesus' ministry on earth. And then I want to read chapter 4, verse 1 of what happens right after that. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. So Jesus is baptized and then has this incredible moment of being filled with the Holy Spirit in this audible voice from heaven, confirming him as the son of God, confirming him as the Messiah. And then he goes off and disappears into the wilderness. Why would God have him start his ministry in this way? As Ron said last week in his talk, he said, this seems like a really bad business plan to just disappear off the grid for a month and a half. But this time of silence and solitude was so important, so vital for the launch of Jesus' ministry. But coupled with fasting, this taught Jesus how to completely rely on God for everything that he needs. Because as we see that fasting is a regular practice in our lives, it can help teach us self-control, help teach us moderation and restraint. It gives us this ability to have a clear understanding that God is the one who sustains us and that everything that we need can truly be found in him. It even helps lay this foundation so that when we come to those moments in our lives where we experience difficult things, when we are feeling pain, when we are feeling suffering in our lives, we know We know that we can trust him, that we can trust him to give us everything that we need to endure and to persevere well in that season because we've been trained by fasting. Dallas Willard says it like this in his book called The Spirit of the Disciplines. He says, fasting confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food. Fasting will really quickly expose our reliance on external comforts. In fact, some of you watching, if there's a person close to you, may identify, yeah, you turn into a different person when you have not eaten or when you're hungry, right? It has this really unique way of humbling us, literally. At VPC, um, Boldly Dependent has been our focus for the year. And when we strip back all these things that we recognize that we're actually really leaning on for comfort, for support, for peace, when we pull these things off, we realize that this will actually push us further into our bold dependence of God. Jesus knew this. He knew that in order to accomplish everything that he was sent here to do, that he was going to desperately need God more than anything else in this world. And they would have to have him in order to have victory over his flesh to experience this success. This would be a habit of Jesus that we would see all throughout his ministry where he would skip meals and pull away to spend time, even skip sleep to spend time with God alone, praying in silence, in solitude, in worship, in meditating on the scriptures. In fact, the Apostle Paul later echoes something very similar in one of his letters to a church in Corinth. He says, but I discipline my body um, and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself may be dis- should be disqualified. 
So both Paul and Jesus here understood that the desires of the flesh, that they're contrary to the things of the spirit, they are in conflict with those things. And that for with the foundation of scripture, the practice of fasting, prayer, silence, and solitude, all these things would fuel Jesus' ministry and even Paul's ministry when we read about it too, more than anything else. That's an important thing to take note of as we're discussing this practice of fasting, that it is intended to be closely linked with the other disciplines like prayer, scripture, silence, and solitude. We see all of these things at work in the account of Jesus and his life. And now, specifically in this time of the wilderness with Jesus, we see something really amazing happens. Despite him being so obviously in a weakened state physically because of fasting, because of this time and silence and solitude, we see, though, that he overcomes the devil's temptations. How opposite is that to the way that we think, right? We think that we have to be strong. We have to have it all together in order to resist. And yet Jesus here is in the wilderness and in a very weakened state. And yet he has success over these temptations. And I wish we had time to unpack these things that the devil comes at him with, but we don't. But we can see here that the point is that as he was prepared with scripture to combat these temptations, he would also in his weakened state recognize that God, I need you in this moment. I need to rely on you more than anything else. And here he would overcome temptation. And so what preceded this, what preceded this time in the wilderness in um, chapter four, verse 14 and 15, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and a report about him went through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So imagine right now the danger that could have been lurking if Jesus had went right from his baptism with this public miraculous acknowledgement of his identity and filling of the Holy Spirit to teaching in the synagogues being glorified by all. I don't know about you but at least for me if I had gone straight from that to that Pride could have definitely taken a foothold within my heart. But I want us to notice something else here. How does Jesus enter the wilderness? It said that he was full of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit. It is so important as a follower of Jesus, as one that desires to practice the way in our lives, that we recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, recognize and seek the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to learn to trust the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be led by him. And so Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, encounters the desert, goes through this time of self-denial, of seeking God, and overcomes temptation. Then how does he leave the wilderness? What did it say, if you remember? It says he left in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he returned to Galilee. So Jesus had moved from not just being full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, but now he was functioning in the power of the Spirit. As he came out of this time, fasting coupled with these other practices, it can help us to recognize that in our weaknesses, he really is strong. And you will experience a difference in your life when you begin to humble yourself and give room for the Holy Spirit to move. These There are stories happening all across VPC right now as we've declared this year to be boldly dependent. We are in the third month of this and there are incredible stories happening. Stories of recognizing, God, I need you each and every day. Stories throughout this series of those that are beginning to implement these things and practice the things we're talking about and recognizing they're the key to what God is doing right now. 
what he desires to do through each story and collectively as we come together as a community. As we start letting go of what we're capable of and letting room for God and making room for God to move, we will see these even greater things that Jesus is talking about. They are already happening now and there are more to come. These stories that are happening right now, they aren't just great success stories, but rather they're ones that declare, this is who I was, this is who I am now, and only God could have done this in my life. Fasting is this outward expression that says, I want less of me and more of you, God. I know myself too well personally. I know I'm not that great, but you know what? He is. And even in my failures, even when I fall short, he can redeem them as I continue to lean, as I continue to be boldly dependent on him alone. And so maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know what? This sounds good, but it also sounds really hard. I'm not so sure about it. And you're right. You are. It is hard. I'm not going to deny that. But let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, just in verses 16 to 17 here. He says, And when you do fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you. So there's this actual strange level of joy when we fast properly. These hypocrites that Jesus was talking about, they were looking for the admiration of others. They weren't doing this to cultivate their relationship with Jesus. They were doing this as an outward expression to, hey, look at me. I'm suffering for my faith. I'm such a good person. I'm so holy. And they receive their reward and people's admiration to them, right? But rather, Jesus is encouraging us that fasting, it needs to come from this place of a desire for intimacy with God, that although it's hard, It is something that is so beautiful and one that comes with a reward. And so here's the thing. And it's something that actually came up in our Connect group. And this is a shameless plug. If you are not in Connect group, go hop on the website after church. Click that next steps and get involved in one. But this came up in our Connect group that although this series has been really great and it's not even over yet, there's still more to come. There is this temptation to feel like maybe it's turning into a big to-do list. Intimacy with God is not a checklist. When it becomes a checklist, we move from cultivating a relationship with Jesus, being with him, being formed by him, doing what he did to a lifeless, powerless religion of just going through the motions. I'm just doing this because I said I'm supposed to. And ultimately one that will become to feel like a burden that is too great to carry and maybe bring us to that point of giving up. This isn't doing it for me anymore. Jesus addressed this when he was questioned why his disciples weren't fasting. When the disciples of John the Baptist who baptized him and the religious leaders and their followers, they were all fasting. And so Jesus addresses this and he says this. He says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and the and a worse tear is made. So this old garment that Jesus is talking about is represents our life apart from him, a life that is not lived by faith in God, a life that is caught in the sinful patterns and a character that reflects that. 
And let's be real, these disciples that Jesus picked, they were still really rough around the edges. And yet they also still had the physical presence of Jesus there to teach them, to shape them, and to form them, to walk with them. In order to say, follow me, there was a physical, tangible presence there with them. And then this new garment that Jesus is talking about is the life of holiness. And so if we attempt to patch that life of holiness on while we're still walking without being fully committed to Jesus, it is only going to cause us more problems. Instead of fasting being what it is intended to be, this beautiful part of a desire to be with Jesus, become like him, it becomes this unfair, heavy burden to bear, and it's only going to lead you to more grief than the joy it's supposed to bring. So it's so important today as we're talking about this, that we have to understand that we have to approach fasting with wisdom. So if you are listening to this today and you're still exploring faith, maybe this is your first time to church. You were invited by a friend or decided just give it a go today or you haven't been to church in a while. And you don't even know where you stand on this faith pendulum of who Jesus is and, and all these things that we're talking about today. I want to first say that I'm so glad that you're here. That vital point, we, we strive to be a place that is safe for anyone along their journey of faith. We make room for you to be here and I hope that you will keep giving this a go and trying it out. But I don't want you today to feel the pressure that this is an expectation of you as to immediately implement in your life without first getting to know Jesus a little more, okay? Now, if you are on medication, I'm going to sound like some kind of drug commercial on TV for a second, but you need to consult a medical professional to discuss how or if fasting is even safe for you. You may want to explore other options like a partial fast, eating only fruits and vegetables for a short amount of time, and maybe pairing it with some supplements. But whatever it is, you need to make sure that you practice it safely. We don't want anyone getting hurt. Now, if you are pregnant or nursing... Fasting food right now might not be the best idea for this point in your life. In fact, I strongly discourage it. But I do want to encourage you that you are in this very unique season that only those who have gone through it already can identify. You are giving up so much more right now as literally your body does not belong to you. And so in these moments of sacrifice, of of having a child form within your womb or feeding and nourishing this beautiful baby that you have been blessed with, this time of sacrifice is a form of worship to God. And so lean into that, lean into those moments of weakness and ask and trust God in that time for him to, um, for you to experience his closeness and to know him more and deeper. If you have a history of an eating disorder, I want to be very clear about this. Do not fast food. Consider fasting something else until you are mentally strong to practice this without it becoming a trigger to you. And if you don't feel like you're ever at that point, that is okay. There are so many other ways where you can lay something down all in order to experience God deeper way and to lean on him and cultivate that intimacy with him. So I don't want you to feel pressure in that today as well. And finally, do it in community. I know we just talked about Jesus talking about doing it in secret. And so I say that in doing community, but, but not in a way to show off your holiness or, yeah, I'm giving this a try. It's so great. But in a way where you are supported, you are kept accountable, and you are encouraged through it because it is difficult. But I know. I know that there are some of you today that are listening to this and you're inside going, yeah, I think I want to give this a try, that you're wanting to take a deeper step with God. You're wanting to learn more about how to boldly depend on him, how to abide in him in your everyday life. 
And so I want to encourage you that if you're feeling like, yeah, I want to start implementing in this, this in my life, do not rush the process. Practicing is in this series title for a reason, okay? This is a spiritual discipline. So start slow. Take your time. Don't forget to pair fasting with other practices we've been talking about. Scripture, prayer, silence and solitude. All of these things come together to make fasting what it really should be. And so start off small. Maybe it's just one meal. And make sure that you prepare your body for this. I've not always been good at this in the past and regretted it later. But the days before and the days leading up, eat lighter. Maybe even go vegetarian. Cut down on your caffeine. Drink lots of water before, during, and after. Drinking water is going to be so key to your success in this and preventing your body from suffering even more unnecessarily. A few months ago, before I even saw this series... I had been playing with the idea of habitually fasting for a while, and finally after a conversation with a friend who who does do this, I felt impressed that, yeah, I think I'm going to start implementing this practice in my life. And so I've begun fasting on Mondays the last little while. And so my last meal is Sunday evening with my family, and then I don't eat again until Monday evening again with my family, and between that time I drink only water. And those first few Mondays, I will be very real with you, were painful and a deep, deep struggle. In fact, um, because I'm the person that makes dinner at my home, we were eating dinner much, much earlier than we typically would just because mom was hungry. Um, but it has come to this place now where the more I practice it, the more I actually look forward to Mondays. I look forward to this time of laying this aside, this beautiful reset where I get to focus on Jesus more. It still hurts. It's still hard. But it has been a beautiful thing and seeing what it's done in my life, I am just so grateful that I that I took the attempt to go for it. Now this past week I was talking about fasting and talking about this conversation with a really good friend of mine, but a friend that has been going through an unimaginably difficult time over this past month. And during this time that she was experiencing, there were several days where she felt deeply impressed to fast and seek the Lord. And as we were talking about this, she said to me, she said, fasting saved me. That has wrecked me a little bit because although she shared that this was typically a really difficult discipline, her God had given her so much grace in leading her to this place of joyfully giving up food for a time to seek him for this specific purpose. And that in the midst of all her pain and her grief that she was experiencing this closeness to God, she was experiencing and getting his wisdom and endurance to endure this time of suffering well. I want to take a moment to repeat a question that Ron posed to us last week. A question that I think is really important and so core to this series and what God is doing in so many lives and hearts of people in our community. He said this, he said, do we really want to be closer to Jesus more than anything else in this world? Truly. Can someone from the outside look at our lives of those who have decided to follow Jesus? Can someone look from the outside and say, yeah, there's something different about the way that they live. There's something different about the way that they do things that clearly they are fully devoted to something that maybe I don't even understand yet because it seems crazy from the outside. Even this conversation to say that laying aside food, starving your body is going to bring you closer to God. It sounds bizarre. 
But does this impact every part of our life? Does our commitment to Jesus impact every practical piece and part of our life? Because what if we were truly willing to lay everything down to be closer to Jesus? Truly, we hold it all with an open hand. We're removed from that place. We're willing to take that step to literally deny our flesh, what it needs, what it craves, what it desires, all in order to feed our spirit. There was one time where I clearly remember a moment I was fasting and I cried out in a Walmart parking lot, God, help me to desire you way more desperately than I desire to eat anything right now. Can we get to that place? Can we get to that place where we desperately desire him more than anything else? Today, I want to encourage you, encourage you if you're feeling that pull to take that willing step of faith to humble yourself through fasting and allow it to give you new eyes to see your great need for him and how he can supply all of your needs to teach us how to abide in him and find everything that we need in this life to do it well, to do it with success and to do it to glorify him. Because the Bible says it promises that if we abide in him, that we will bear much fruit. We will bear much fruit, not fruit that comes from ourselves in this effort to do better or to be better and just become this better person and implementing these things to make us more holy and more worthy and all these things. No, where we stripped out all these things and we recognize that in my weakness, God, I need you to be strong because I am a weak being. Because I've become slave to some of these things in my life. I think that there are some of us right now that are recognizing the things that we have become slaves to. These fleshly desires that we have been feeding instead of feeding the Holy Spirit that has been drawing on us. That has been asking us, come and sit with me. Come and be with me. I want to love you. I want to care for you. I want to teach you. I want to show you so many things about me and who I am and who I've created you to be. May we be willing to empty ourselves of our own desires, to be filled with his spirit, to be led by his spirit and empowered by his spirit to impact the world around us all for the glory of God.